Welcome to Focus on Success with Fazia Costi. Our program is designed to help you with executive function challenges. Our guest experts offer perspective, experience, and ideas to improve different aspects of your life. Now, here is your host, Fazia Costi. Hi, welcome to the show. I'm Fazia Costi, and today on our Parenting Pulse segment, we are going to be talking about internet safety and social media safety with Dr. Sarah Bald, Dr. Sarah Norbeck, and Jay Johnson, our IT expert. So welcome to the show, everyone. Thanks. Thank you. Thanks for having yeah. me. So um, Sarah Bald, uh, Dr. Bald, can we start with you? Would you mind sharing a little bit about your background and what you do? Absolutely. Um, So I'm a clinical psychologist. I specialize in pediatric neuropsychology. So I evaluate kids for learning disabilities, ADHD, developmental delays. Um, I also do some school advocacy and some counseling on the side as well. I own a a practice called Nest Psychological. We've been around since 2020. Um, Did my postdoc at another neuropsychologist's office in the Phoenix area. Um, have background in school and therapy and counseling and a few other avenues. Absolutely. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you bringing your expertise to our listeners. And uh, Dr. Sarah Norbeck, would you mind telling us a little bit about your background? And Dr. Norbeck is going to be talking a lot about her personal experiences as well. So uh, go ahead, Dr. Norbeck. Sure. Um, So I am a clinical neuropsychologist and I see mostly the lifespan. So I see children with developmental disabilities up to um, individuals who are 95 plus years old for dementia, Alzheimer's, TBI, stroke, pretty much anything that's got to do with the brain and behavior. Um, I did a two-year postdoc at a private practice and um, I have a history of being within the VA, uh, working with some PTSD and some polytrauma as well. Um, doing some counseling. I'm also with Dr. Bald part-time at her office and um, also part-time over at an associate's office. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate you coming on today and sharing your expertise as well as your personal experience. It's very valuable and uh, very much appreciated. And Jay Johnson, would you mind sharing a little bit about you? Sure. I'm the CEO of 5-Minute Productions. We're a marketing and advertising agency that specializes in web work. Um, we've been in business for about 21 years. Um, so the topic today about internet security and safety is, is pretty much in our day-to-day life with our clients because we've worked with healthcare, fitness, children's applications, and all the, a very wide spectrum over the last 20 years. So it's very much a part of everything we do. And well, if you I go would, to my I, website, you get to see uh, Five Minute Productions work firsthand. Wow. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Jay, for being on the show today. I, I really appreciate it. it. Your expertise is very valuable, and I know that our listeners are going to really appreciate it. Um, let's go ahead and get started on, let's, let's define what is internet safety, Jay? What What is it? And So, I mean, it's pretty straightforward. It is basically how you protect yourself, or in this case, children and loved ones, as they use the internet. Um, There are multiple safeguards in place that people can leverage um, that we'll probably cover, um, but they range from things like 
you know, terms and conditions and things like that, that tell you exactly what websites are going to do to um, opt out functions, say an email, right. That are required by law for companies to do um, specifically to protect what you're doing, but really it is just what it says it is. It's your safety, your personal safety on the internet. So why is it important that we protect ourselves or we protect our children on the internet? I mean, I go onto the internet at home. It seems pretty benign. Why, why would I have to protect anybody or why would I have to protect myself? And who am I protecting myself from? Um, Well, that's a, Fairly easy question to answer. You're protecting yourself from <laughs> everybody else. Um, and I was, I was, and I just visiting, want to lay the groundwork basically. No, no, sure, absolutely. Um, <laughs> I was, I was visiting family recently, and the topic came up of someone downloading an app and running it. And I, I don't even remember what the app was, but my immediate question, because of what I do for a living, was, oh, did you read the terms and conditions? before you gave them your information. Nobody does that. And they said, do you read them? Every time I download an app, it's a nightmare and it's a pain, but the things you read in those, which are legally binding contracts, um, can get outrageous. So it's not just, I mean, people automatically think of, oh, there's a person out there who wants to steal my information, right? He wants to hack into my account which is part of internet safety, right? That's the, the simple villain that's right. out there. But what people don't think about is corporate America. And I know this firsthand because I've written terms and conditions personally, that they wanted things included. Cool, we'll put it in there. Um, that uh, you are giving them permission to use your data, to use information about you. Um, the easiest example... I can give that most people will recognize if is if you've written and posted anything on Facebook, Facebook has the right to use that, whether it's a photo, whether it's words, whether it's birth dates, whether it's any of that, they have the right to use it however they want. And that is clearly stated in their terms of service and their terms and conditions. So if you were, if you put a picture up on <laughs> Facebook and you weren't so happy about it, they wanted to put it up as a, here's what you don't do picture they can do it. Sure. Yeah. And that, because that picture belongs to them for a certain period of time um, based on their agreement. Well, there's a lot of bad pictures on Facebook, something and that should scare some people. <laughs> it really should, but it somehow doesn't. Um, yeah. And the reason it's so important is because the internet is so easy right? It just like you said, I get on, I log into a thing, I do a thing and it's done. Right. Um, and the, the number of people out there, let's get out of the corporate side of things and just get into the villains that you think about. The, the number of people out there that are actively looking to um, steal your information and hack into your data is ridiculous. There's a study done a couple years ago where a scientist put in unprotected phone on the internet. And in eight minutes, it was hacked. And every seven to eight seconds after that, it was hacked again by somebody else. Granted, it was unprotected, like completely insecure phone, but that's how quick it happens. 
So if your password is simple, it might take 10 minutes, but once it happens, it's done. Your, your, you know, your information yeah. is out there. So it it kind of reminds me of being on the radio. Like, I don't know who's listening. I don't know how many people are listening. There could be, you know, a hundred different radios on, but who's, you know, how many people are listening to each radio? We, we don't really know. Exactly. And taking that a step further, you have to realize that those people, because the internet is connected and is two ways, those people have the ability, if they so desire, to try and take over your account. So if you could imagine someone listening to your radio program that also has access to <laughs> controlling your radio program, if they decide to, to be mean about it, that's what we're talking about. Wow. Well, I, I really appreciate you defining that for us. So let's, let's talk a little bit about uh, what, what do parents need to know and, and what do they need to do to keep kids safe? And, and Sarah and Sarah, feel free to join in. <laughs> when I think about what Jay was just saying, I mean, you're talking, there's so many things that our kids have to be signed up for now, especially after 2020 and the pandemic schools online, all these accounts are online. That means all your kids information is just out there. Yeah. And a lot of platforms use Google. And I would imagine Google is one that their terms and conditions say they have access to everything that you have and can use it however they want. So all of your kids, Google classroom information is part of that terms and services. Yeah. Scary. I'm getting nods. I'm guessing that's accurate from Jay. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah. so, I mean, Google is a good example because there are certain aspects of Google they can't do. So information on say your Google drive is yours. It's you're just essentially using free server space on their computer. Um, now someone could hack into Google and hack into that, you know, right. independent of that, but yeah, like, Certain information you put in to Google will be accessible to Google to, to use. And that'll be passwords, no, sorry, usernames, emails, things of that nature, where it's like, yep, sure, you can, you know, do something that doesn't seem like a big deal, like sell my email address to some other companies that might be interested in contacting me to who knows what. Um, it all boils so yeah, down so to money or, you know, they're either selling something or they want to steal something. Right. So but then I wonder too, since, you know, Google and now Amazon and there's, and OneDrive and Dropbox, they're all competing mm -hmm. for how we serve our, store our information on their server. If we use their server to upload our cloud information, you got to wonder what's behind that as well. Not to get True. conspiratorial at all. <laughs> so, so what do what do we need to, you know, what do we need to do to keep ourselves safe or keep our kids safe? Remain vigilant. Um, when I was younger, and I'm fairly old, um, <laughs> whenever a movie came out, my parents that they thought I might like, my parents would watch it first. And then determine, okay, is this something the kids can watch? Um, countless times, it didn't go my way. And I didn't get to watch a movie I wanted because whatever, there was a bad word or there was a semi-nude scene or something, right? 
or violence Brandon, or whatever. Talking, right. right. And we're talking the 70s and 80s. So PG was very different back then. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but the same applies to the internet. And the, the hurdle, the biggest hurdle for parents is that it's not, okay, a movie's come out. Should I let my kid watch it? <clears throat> it's a movie's come out and is now on every single platform you can think of that my kid might have access to on any number of devices. How do I manage that? Right. So, you know, you have to be more aware and you have to stay on top of things if you care about managing that kind of thing. Well, myself, I'm, my kids are a little bit older. They're 20 and 24, but I did that. I, I would, I, I made sure I knew their friends' parents. They weren't allowed to go with a friend unless I knew their parents. They weren't allowed to go to a movie unless I saw it first. And, and a lot of parents thought I was very overprotective, but that's how I grew up. <laughs> and I think it's really important to know who your kids' friends are, to know what they're doing online. When Facebook first came out, um, I, well, my kids were teenagers and I told them, I said, you can have an, an account, but I have to have access to everything or that account will go away. And I, and I did go through their messages. <laughs> and if I found something inappropriate, it had to, you know, it had to be addressed. So I think it's really important to be very hands-on and um, Dr. Norbeck, I think, I think you have something you'd like to share with us about that? Yeah. So um, I, I have a 16 year old and so this is all very, very fresh to me. Um, yes. And it's, it's also an ongoing battle um, because she clearly wants her independence. And, um, you know, as Jay was talking about reading the terms and conditions of things here, I, I'm, I'm guilty of not doing that. And part of me wants to know if there's something that I should be looking for, looking for specifically within those things. And if you can opt out kind of those kinds of things, but um, to- I think you have a good point. Most people don't read them no. because they don't know what to look for. Right. And then we hand our children phones and they want to download everything. And, you know, most parents actually from, I shouldn't say most parents, but um, I, I know my daughter's friends very, very well. And I make sure to stay active in who her mm-hmm. friends are and who's coming around and, um, in the same way that I, I monitor her phone. So I right. have like a rental app or not the app, but, um, you know, I have an Apple phone and you can monitor your child's phone through there and they can ask for permission to download apps and all those different things. But, you know, um, some apps that I like the WhatsApp, um, I've definitely declined and told her she can't have that and just different ones. Um, but also monitoring like conversations on like Instagram and Snapchat and all those other social media platforms. Um, but knowing that, you know, like Snapchat, those things go away, you know, unless they're not smart enough to, I shouldn't say not smart enough, but if they're saving them in the snap, then obviously you can open that up for later, but well, actually they are being stored somewhere. They are, they don't actually go away. They're stored. Yeah, not easily accessible unless you're very like techie, um, which I am definitely not. But to kind of go back to the whole reading the terms and conditions thing, you know, I I still um, my daughter complains about it still to this day, but it's maybe more so lazy parenting on my part. She still has to ask for permission. 
to download an app and and she's always letting me know how I am. She doesn't say I'm the worst parent, but she definitely lets me know that there is absolutely no other parents in this world that would ever make a 16-year-old go through this process. Well, the funny thing is I hear that all day, every day. (laughs) (laughs) I just had a parent ask me the other day, it it was like eight o'clock at night and he texted me, is it appropriate for me to have access to my 16 year old's phone? I said, absolutely. They're still a minor end of conversation. That was Mm -hmm. all. That's all he needed to know is another parent validated him. And he went right back to work and said, okay, I need access to your phone. Yeah. Yeah. So as a a parent, you can't back down on that. No. And that's, I think one thing is that we're kind of seeing is, I don't want to call it a collapse of parenting, but we definitely, um, parents are almost losing a backbone um, in standing their ground and what, you know, providing that structure for children and letting know, and even just having those conversations about safety and helping them actually understand why they should have a level of concern. So what I think parents it's all- don't realize is that, you know, your kids will thank you for that in 10 years. It's just going to be a pain now. I know I was a very strict parent and my older daughter recently actually said it was because of my structures, because I was so strict that she is successful today. She's, Mm -hmm. you know, she's 24 years old in her third year of medical school. Um, That didn't happen by accident. That Mm -hmm. happened because she was focused and she was doing the things she needed to do. And I think- Yeah, go ahead, Sarah. There's been some research too by the APA recently that said that, you know, there's at least, I say this with a grain of salt, at least 48% of parents say it's an ongoing battle with technology and with the internet every day. And then the other other two, you wonder, is it a battle? Are we giving up? Or are there kids out there who don't want to use the internet that I, that I find highly unlikely. Now, didn't you also, I, I know before we started recording, you had talked about, um, some stats you got from the APA about screen time and the, the recommendations. And, and I know that their recommendations are, well, consi- compared to mine, they're very liberal. I, I don't recommend more than an hour per day of screen time. I think there's so much else to do in this world that there's really no reason for a kid to be on their phone playing games all day. There's just none. It's but, fine. You, you call them liberal. I say, oh, I'm a bad mom. <laughs> We get a lot more than that the what my own profession says is appropriate for kids. <laughs> yeah, I pulled it up. It's for children under 18, no screen time except for video chatting with family. You mean 18 uh, months? 18 months, yep. Okay. Yes. No <laughs> screens say, for wow. anyone under 18. <laughs> say, wow. And we're done. <laughs> no screens. Sorry, 18 months. Oh man. And then 18 months to 24 months. Um, watch with your kids when you're watching with them two to five limit screen time to one hour per day, six and up establish consistent time limits. So kind of at your discretion, what's appropriate for your household, but keep it consistent every day and stick to your guns. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what about, how do we feel about parental controls? Sign me up. (laughs) (laughs) I work with so many kids that break them and know how to crack the code where that parental control lasts 30 minutes and then it's cracked. Yeah. I I have a, I have a few parents that are like those parental controls that you, that people recommend they're worthless. Our kid gets around them and over them and you know, they're, they're just pointless. But um, Dr. Norbeck, did you, do you find them useful or do you use them? I, I use them 
every single day, I guess. Um, I mean, like I said, my daughter is not allowed to pretty much, you know, download anything without permission. Um, I definitely can see, um, her, how often she's on her phone, you know, just how often she's using Snapchat. I also have like the life 360 app on there so I can monitor where she's at. Um, I definitely think that it's helpful in many different ways. Actually, it's been helpful for me is because um, children, I feel are very, very attached to their technology. And that's actually how they are feeling connected to others these days. And so when you take away those technological things, my daughter, she has meltdowns almost, um, or she did before. Uh, Mm -hmm. So like, I wouldn't actually take her phone physically from her, but I would definitely shut her phone down from my end. And so she wouldn't be able to turn her phone on. She'd have maybe like 30 seconds to open up an app and that was it. And her phone was shut off for the day. Um, I definitely use it as like a disciplinary style as well, um, which seems to work very, very well. Um, She reflects very quickly on her actions when I shut her phone down and apologizes very, very fast um, within like an hour, maybe. So she's also very good at about um, just self-reflecting and working through her emotions. And then she'll come back up and she'll be like, okay, that was not probably the best way I could have handled that. I really want my phone back. So I, I really am sorry, but I'll do this and that. And we work through it that way. So parental controls also work um, for us also as like a disciplinary style. So I see many benefits to it as well as just the whole internet safety thing. Yeah, definitely. So uh, we have a few minutes before uh, we wrap up this uh, segment. Um, Is there anything else that we want to talk about with internet safety? Uh, Jay, is there anything else that you'd like to add? Well, about parental controls Um, from a technology standpoint, I know um, Dr. Bald brought up the point of how quickly they get hacked, um, which actually addresses a broader problem with internet safety in general, is that the complexity of passwords or pin codes that are used, say in parental controls, they're now two levels deep where you put in a password and then you have to verify with a pin code. Those tend to be rather simple or worse, written on a piece of paper stuck in a drawer somewhere, um, which is generally how they get hacked. Right. So kid, I have um, my sister-in-law would keep um, the password in the same notebook in the same drawer. Right. And then would just change it periodically. And that was hacked. Are you saying they're hacked by the children? Yes. Okay. Yeah. 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 So when you're talking about parent, when you include kids in the conversation as a parent, you're not just competing, fighting against the ne'er-do-wells out there, right? You're, you're trying to keep your kids out of stuff. Right. And anybody who's ever met a kid in their life, if you say, <laughs> don't go in that box, Ooh, the first thing you're going to do is not? like, what's in that box? <laughs> I'm going in. You know, it's like, don't push the button. <laughs> they just push it incessantly. So you're competing against that. And that's not a like that kind of attitude in a child, I don't think, is bad. It's curiosity. It's trying to explore. Sure. It's pushing boundaries, blah, blah, blah. But as a parent, you have to figure out how to do that. So if your password is password, one, two, three, here's the sticky note that I put it on in the drawer. Oh, don't give out my password. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry about that. Um, you know, it's not going to be hard for them to figure out. Very true. Um, Very true. You know, or if it's the same pin and all that fun stuff that you always use. Okay, great. Cool. They're going to know that at some point in their life. They're going to figure out that, oh, yep, 
Mom or dad always uses one, two, three, four, beep, 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 and, and they're through. Um, yeah. And that's where it goes back to what I talked about originally, that you have to be vigilant. You have to think in more complicated thought patterns than your 10-year-old. Yeah, and you have to be firm and, and really I, just be present in that moment and take care of business because they are your top priority, right. or at least they should be. So, um, yeah. So thank you guys. I really appreciate this conversation. Um, we will be taking a break really quick here. Um, if you'd like to get in touch with me, you can go to executivefunctioncoachaz.com and you can subscribe to our magazine, executive function magazine. You can also go to our YouTube channel and watch our videos as well as the radio show. So uh, we will be back after these messages. And once again, I want to thank all our listeners from around the world for listening. Without you, we would not have uh, this wonderful show. And we'll be back talking to Dr. Ball, Dr. Norbeck, and Jay Johnson about social media safety. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. If you are struggling with organization, time management, or other executive functions, Fawzi Acosti is ready to put you on the path to success. Visit executivefunctioncoachaz.com. Fawzi works with in-person clients at her Phoenix, Arizona office or with clients anywhere across the country remotely. Mention that you heard this ad from the Focus on Success radio show and receive a free initial consultation with Fazia, plus $50 off an intake evaluation, a $300 value. Visit executivefunctioncoachaz.com or call 480-648-1122. Where can you listen to some of the world's top life coaches ready to dish out success tips and entrepreneurial guidance? The Voice America Empowerment Channel will do just that. Whether it's personal growth, building a better business, or inspirational life stories, make it a daily habit to tune into our programs. From weight loss and personal branding to law of attraction and increased happiness, you'll find it every day at VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are listening to Focus on Success. To reach Fazia Acosti or her guest on the live show, please call 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to Fazia at executivefunctioncoachaz.com. Now, back to Focus on Success. Hi, welcome back. I'm Fazia Costi, and today we're talking to Dr. Sarah Bald, Dr. Sarah Norbeck, and Jay Johnson. We're talking about internet safety and social media safety. 
uh, specifically related to teenagers. So if you have a teenager, this would be a fantastic uh, show to listen to and maybe share with your friends. So welcome back, everybody. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Uh, We had a pretty awesome conversation the first half talking about internet safety. Uh, I'd like to shift gears a little bit and talk a little bit about social media safety. Um, So Jay, you're, you're an expert in it. What, I I mean, gosh, it's been years since I've really been on social media. My, uh, my assistant actually does all my social media, so I don't actually go on there. Uh, I don't even know what's out there. What, what are the different social media outlets? Um, So that's a tricky question because it all depends on your age. Um, The younger you skew, the faster the social media platform changes. Um, The one people talk about currently for kids, especially is TikTok, but that's on the way out. There are, there are two or three apps that are on the up and coming. I don't know which one is going to be the one that latches on, but there are new apps coming out that are, that are, more entertaining to the youth um, as us older generations discover that it exists. Um, so as, as if people were listening to the first half, the, the vigilant thing becomes exponentially more complicated and more important when you talk about social media. Um, because more than likely as a parent, once you sort of come to grips with some social media platform, it has become obsolete. Um, The more technology is involved in people's lives from earlier ages, the quicker they tire of what is currently out there because they know that it can change rather quickly. Like new stuff is coming out all the time. Um, So yeah, what, what apps are big, right? Right now, the big one for kids is TikTok. But it, like I said, it's on the way out. Where if you talk to someone that's middle-aged, Facebook, right, is the big deal. Twitter has been in the news a lot lately, so for various reasons. So it's like, oh, that's a big deal. And it's like, nope, kids really don't care about that anymore. Um, it's just I don't know anyone like, on Twitter anyone anymore, except celebrities. Right. Yeah, right. Uh, I, I think, uh, like, I know I have an account. When it, when it first came out, I, I got an account because... I worked for a university and my boss thought it would be fun if we all had an accountant that, that, that we used it as a way to communicate with each other. And all they ever posted is what they were having for dinner. And I really couldn't take much more of that. So <laughs> I don't think I've used it ever since, but even my uh, assistant doesn't want to post anything on there. So I, I, what else is there? There's, oh, there's Facebook, there's Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, ins- Instagram, Instagram, Snapchat, um, Snapchat, Snapchat. Are, the, are the big ones. There's a bunch of little stuff out there. Um, Discord, where you start getting into more traditional, like, um, what are they called? Well, I know a lot of teens use Discord when they're playing games with each other. Right. Discord Reddit is a big deal. Um, But again, some of the like Discord and Reddit have actually been around forever. Right. right? They're they're, um, I can't remember message boards. That's what I'm thinking. I'm trying to think of a term from the (laughs) 90s. What was that? I'm so old. Um, 
but no. all they are, are traditional message boards where you write a message, hit save, it goes up and someone wait for someone to read it. Um, like nobody's on it 24 oh, seven yeah. looking for you to respond, right? It's just, okay, they responded on. It's like checking out a library book. There's, there's um, no alert that remi- that tells right, you someone you, right, you don't get, <laughs> right. Um, So yeah, so there's, I'd say hundreds, if not thousands of options out there that people don't really know about. I could just run off random things that, wow. um, that are all social oriented and it's also depending on country and all that fun stuff. But, well, we've talked a lot about, you know, what internet safety is, and I know it, it applies to social media as well. Is there anything different that we should know about with social media safety? Uh, yes. The people on social media that are looking to do bad things are generally looking to do really bad things. Um, Whether you're talking about um, Twitter or Reddit or Facebook or TikTok or something, it's media that can easily skew to either an adult topic or a, a situation of adult pretending to be kid having conversation of if you think adolescence, um, right. You know, where, it, where, and I see Sarah, uh, Sarah Norbeck is nodding her head. Did you have something to add to that? <laughs> uh, well, I, I'm just, I'm nodding in major agreement. Yes. Um, you know, I was just, I was just thinking in my head, um, when I was in graduate school, um, I ended up getting involved with um, the Starbright Foundation who rescues children from sex trafficking. And so I got a lot, hear a lot of the stories about how these kids kind of ended up on the streets in these situations. And, you know, lots of people think not my child, you know, that that's not going to happen to my child, but they're using these social media platforms and these perpetrators, these people who are seeking these children are looking for vulnerable children. Um, who feel isolated and feel like they can't connect. And unfortunately, that's a lot of our kids these days. So it could be your child in the end. But um, even like a police officer, it was a police officer's daughter who she didn't think much of it, just thought she was connecting with a, a peer who was around the same age as her and went to meet him at a park and they whisked her off down to Tucson and then tried to get her over to Oklahoma real fast. And luckily her dad was a police officer and he was able to, you know, jump in there and wow. get her. But he said that was the most traumatizing thing was to see her dressed up the way that she was on the streets and she was drugged. And, you know, I mean, so when we talk about you know, just internet safety and like social media platforms. A lot of people just think not my child. That could be my child. You know, my child's fine. They're in their room. They're doing, you know, whatever. But I think there just goes down to the whole connection thing in the end as well. And how we're all trying to find that connection with others. Yeah. With the internet and with social media, they could be in their room and it might look like they're perfectly safe, but you don't know who they're connecting to unless you're monitoring them, unless you have those parental controls. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's uh, scary stuff these days, isn't it? Um, so what do you think pa- parents should do to help keep their kids safe? Monitor. It would be my answer. It's, it's understanding that the computer isn't the kid's computer. The phone isn't yeah. the kid's phone. It's your phone that you're letting them use. This, yes, I, mean, the advice I agree with I you 100%. 
I agree with you 100%. Um, a lot of parents think, oh, well, I gave them that computer, therefore I don't have the right to go on there. And I have to remind parents that everything your child has actually belongs to you and you are giving them permission to use it and you have to treat it as such so that you can go in there and monitor. And there's a lot of guilt associated with that evasion of privacy too, but it comes down to a safety concern as well of, yes, you know, our, our kids deserve a degree of privacy, but are they safe? And that's much more important. Yeah. I, I think it's, you know, when it comes to minors, it's, it's really important that we remember our final, our job is to make sure they grow up to be independent, you know, healthy, happy adults who can contribute to society and, and, you know, a whole bunch of other things that we probably don't need to get into tonight, but our job is not to be afraid to parent. You know, we can't be afraid to step in and say, no, you can't do this. Um, you know, there's some scary things that can happen. So um, what do you think parents need to know about social media? Sarah, <laughs> what do you think they need to know? <laughs> oh, man. You know, to be honest with you, I, I feel very lucky having the child that I have because she is actually more of like an outdoorsy child would rather be climbing a tree if she could yeah. first be like on the internet and, you know, being on her phone. So I, I am lucky in that respect. And, um, so I don't, I don't quite know. I, I wouldn't know like a top priority right now, just cause for the most part, my daughter's downstairs dancing to K-pop and learning all the K-pop dances. So I know where she's at and I know that she's not on her phone doing things that she shouldn't be doing. But, um, I, <laughs> I think back to when she was maybe 13 or 14, when social media was way heavier on her and they were trying to have that online presence um, and just how they're, you know, they're trying to one up each other in a sense and mm-hmm. things that they shouldn't be doing. So I would say that just, you know, monitor them. Yes. 100%. But um, you know, also relay your concern to them and tell them, you know, this, not just, no, you can't do this, but say, no, this, this is why you can't do this. And maybe this isn't what you're thinking through. And so explaining what the fear is or what the concern is, because these are children and they don't have those life experiences to relate these situations to. And so when you are able to bring something to them and say, this is why you shouldn't do this. Um, I feel like they're, they're more understanding, but then again, yeah. And sometimes they don't even have the impulse control. Right. You know, um, which all of a sudden I was thinking about the challenges that they do on social media. Like, what was that? There was like, what, the tide challenge? And I don't know. Yes. There are just so many challenges. And so when they're on there and they're not supervised, they could end up doing some pretty dangerous things. Even if nobody else is stalking them, they could still end up hurting themselves. Mm-hmm. So, how much do we tell kids about what we do to keep them safe? How do, what, do, what do we tell them? What do we owe them about uh, the, you know, do we, do we talk about the predators that are out there? Do we talk about um, all the, all the unsafe things that they can do? Are there certain practices that they should have that will keep them safe? I think that comes down to, what's developmentally appropriate based on the age of the child. Um, you know, we, we kind of joke about the D.A.R.E. program sometimes because what we did was we took a very adult topic and taught it to a bunch of first graders and taught them all the things that help them access 
um, drugs, for example. Mm-hmm. So it, it comes down to what what's developmentally appropriate for their age, for where they live, for what they're exposed to, and and who they're around to some degree. Yeah. What about um, what about parents? What do they need to know to keep their kids safe on social media? What are some things that they can do? Be aware of which ones they're on. Yeah. Um, the beauty of so when I was little, um, the thing you had to worry about was the creepy van with the guy offering ice cream or candy or whatever, right? Don't talk to strangers. Don't get in the van, blah, 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 right? You know, I'm still freaked out by vans. Sure. No, no. <laughs> I'm like, oh, window oh, this panel I'm van. Not, I'm, I'm like not walking parking across... next to that thing. <laughs> exactly. Window I walked by one today that said frequencies on it. Just to say. <laughs> um, but using that analogy, right? The, the, the van now lives in your home. Ah, and it can be internet. disguised as social media challenges and it, again not necessarily thinking of creepy man or creepy woman trying to take advantage of your kid you know tiktok challenges internet challenges are, are the same thing it's just a different van that's in your home so if you don't know what they're on you can't figure out how to combat it so the beauty of the internet obviously is that information is easily at hand mm-hmm Finding out what apps your kid is using, it is very easy to go to Google, do a quick search, phrased, I don't know, what should I be worried about my kid using TikTok? And you will find tons of information that might make you paranoid, might turn on a light bulb, but all can be helpful because you can say, oh, it's really awful or it's really great. Or, Hey, you need to watch out for any time your kid starts talking about challenges. Um, that topic has come up in my world when we work with people that, um, want to do like nonprofits, especially love to do challenges. It's like, okay, we need to think through before you do that, what that challenge is going to be so that if it picks up steam and some kid does it or somebody does it, how do we minimize the chances of something going wrong? Right. Like the ice bucket challenge was great. Um, And if someone happened to drop a bucket on somebody's head accidentally or something like that, okay, that's not the end of the world um, because a bucket generally isn't going to kill anybody or cause any serious head injury. It's not heavy enough. Um, You know, so it's like, okay, that's a good, that's a cool challenge. But as a parent hearing ice bucket challenge, has a key word in there that says challenge, I should go research what that is. Right. Right. Um, well, there was that, or, that big challenge this past school year that a lot of kids ended up getting arrested because it started with a silly prank on a teacher and then it turned into kids destroying bathrooms. Right. Um, and oh, getting sure. felony charges. Sure. Wow. So I think to stay on top of it, like how, how we as parents, I think, handle the whole social media thing is to stay active in your child's life. Like don't give them the technology and then just step back and say, that's the babysitter. I think that um, we need to welcome technology because we do live in a world full of it. And so we need to stay on top of it and understand how to integrate that, but on a healthy level, I think. And I think that a lot of times like the technology maybe has come in and definitely put a barrier between, you know, parents and children. 
And so finding that healthy balance in the end, where maybe we, maybe you can develop something, a good relationship with your child where they actually don't want to be on social media because they'd rather be, you know, doing something with you. So getting back to like the old school things and in, in a sense. Yeah, no, I, I like that. I, I know with my kids personally, I, I kept them so busy, you know, they were in dance three times a week and, you know, we had so many activities and so many things we did in our everyday life that they had very little time for social media. They had very little time for anything that wasn't, you know, constructive. And I think a lot of times they need that downtime, but does it have to be on a phone? Does it have to be on the internet mm-hmm. or social media? And, and I think that's something you have to evaluate, you know, and, and personally, I spent so much time on the computer because I, my business went completely to Zoom. So I'm on, I'm on Zoom, like probably five hours, six hours a day. It's hard on your eyes, you know, and I'm thinking, you know, do these kids start having eye issues at a certain point when they're on, on, uh, you know, their computer playing games all day? Uh, I, I bet they do. That, that'd be a whole different show, right? <laughs> Probably have a medical doctor for that one. Right. Yes. Maybe an optometrist. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I think I, I, I think I have one. <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I find it fascinating. But yeah, so um, what about uh, earlier? I think we had talked about uh, academic games. Uh, so Sarah, Dr. Sarah Bald, what yeah. do you think about those? I know you don't like uh, uh, cool math games. <laughs> cool math games. Um, I think it's it's important to when you're doing academic games, kids, kids will often log on to academic games and it's like, oh, this one works on the school firewall. So it must be academic in nature. And then you log into it and it has nothing to do with academics whatsoever. Um, so there's a lot of social media, a lot of video games disguised as academic games out there that, that parents need to be on the lookout for. And there's also apps like there's calculator apps that just hide your social media accounts from your parents. Um, so there's, there's quite a few areas of concern when it comes to academic in nature. It might not always be, I say academic with air quotes, it might not always be academic um, per se. Yeah. Again, it goes back to that being mindful and being involved and seeing, you know, what is it really that you're looking at? And reading those terms and conditions, you know, I mean, what is that calculator app doing with your personal information? Mm-hmm. If you're hiding your information from your parents, your parents never read that those terms and conditions, you're not reading those terms and conditions. What, what are they doing with your information? So that's something to be uh, a little bit concerned about as well. So, um, yeah. So is there anything that kids can do to maybe improve their social media safety? Don't get in the creepy van. Um, so, I mean, that's what it is in a nutshell. Yeah. You know, it's, right. and it's hard because the, the creepy van doesn't look like a creepy van, mm-hmm. you know, it's going not to what, obvious. Yeah. Right. Going to what Dr. Bod was talking about an academic program could be super useful and super handy and help with education, except there's a whole slew of people out there wanting to do something bad and will disguise it 
as an academic thing. Right. You know, they, it, there, there's a whole slew of people out there um, that will get on social media, that will create apps, create platforms for the sole purpose of doing bad things. Yeah. And it's harder and harder to tell who those bad people are with they Cause you can't just look at them, <laughs> you know, like the creepy van, you can't just say, Oh, that's a creepy van. You, you, how do you, how do you identify these bad people? Right. Um, and from a kid's perspective, I really don't know if there's a good answer from the technology end of things from my experience, right. The, the clients we work with, we work very hard and diligently to ensure that kind of thing is properly covered and easy to find out what we do, that we're legit, blah, 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 um, to avoid that kind of problem. But I can't say other companies are doing the same. And the people who are actively working in the opposite direction are working just as hard um, to give that impression. So from a pointing your kid to the creepy van, I really feel I'm just raining negativity, negativity on vans, but right. No windows. Yes. There's a spray painted wolf scene on the side. It's yeah. just, it's all bad. Well, that's what comes to my head is the white right. van with no windows, you know, they're all exactly. painted over. Like you know, I never park next to one ever. Exactly. And it's all psychological, right? <laughs> right. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's not that easy anymore. And mm-hmm. expecting a kid to see something, a video or anything online and be able to properly judge Again, I would leave this to the doctors. I, I am the Jay Johnson at the end of doctor, doctor, Jay. Um, <laughs> um, but expecting a kid to be able to navigate the, okay, well, that guy just stepped out of a moving vehicle and walked away just fine and be able to go, okay, I probably shouldn't open the door while the car is moving and try and hop out. Right. That was another thing yeah. that happened recently, you know, last year or so. Yeah, I remember that one. I did I did see a video of one of those and I saw somebody get hurt. It was just awful. It was, and, it, was it was it was traumatic to watch. I can't imagine how they felt after it happened to them. Well, right. their brains aren't fully developed, so they're not right. gonna be making correct judgment exactly. calls. I mean, I think back to I think back to my youth and Which, look yeah. at the things I did, and it's like Oh, yeah. No. If you put me in front of a video that showed somebody sort of my age doing something equally stupid, I would have just gone out and done it. Well, they survived, so I should survive. Right. Which is why we need to protect them, which is why we need to uh, make sure that we are monitoring them on the Internet and on social media so that we, we can help keep them safe. Um, not, well, not and just... have conversations with them of here's what's out there. Here's so that they what can might keep happen. themselves safe. Yes. Yeah. Communication. Yep. Communication yeah. is so important and we're not doing that enough these days. Mm-hmm. I agree. And it's hard to, so we have a generation of parents who, well, a generation of people who are about to become parents who grew up with the internet. 
But currently our kids, we have parents who, who didn't have internet growing up. Um, so this is new territory and it's hard to navigate, you know, if we are fully understanding what we're putting our kids into, it's a little easier. So making sure we're educated on here's what's out there. Here's what the internet does. Um, cause there's pros and cons to the internet. There's, there's good things we've dumped on the internet a lot today, but there's really good right. things about the internet too. Um, well, but making absolutely. sure that we're educated so that we can properly educate our kids. Like I didn't grow up with with technology, but I'm fairly good at it on the areas that I use every day, but I'm not an expert on social media. I'm not an expert on internet safety, which is why we had Jay come on today. So I I really want to thank you all for coming on today and talking about um, internet safety and social media safety. Um, Dr. Bald, would you like to tell our audience how to get in touch with you should they need to? Yeah, absolutely. So you can find me on nestpsychaz.com. All my information is there. You can contact me there. My nice contact form. Again, like I said earlier, that's a five-minute productions, one-of-a-kind website. So you can see Jay's work on that website. Um, But that is where you reach me. Thank you. Dr. Norbeck, how about you? I'm going to refer you to uh, Dr. Bald's website. (laughs) You can find Dr. Norbeck on my sure, website. Yeah. <laughs> and make sure you check out the uh, the features of the website as well. <laughs> yes. So we don't even need to ask Jay. So no. <laughs> I, just real quick, is there any last minute advice you'd give parents at this point? Anybody? Communicate. I would say the best. Yes, go ahead. Nope. Sorry. I just, I think that it's important to communicate and also welcome technology, but make it clear that, you know, um, what the presence looks like and how that's going to be reflecting on you in the future. And so they can make healthy decisions that way. Thank you. Jay, you had something else to add? I was going to say the best parental control is the parent. I agree. So. Oh, that was good. Yeah, it was very good. Thank you. Good. And then Dr. Ball, do you have any last minute advice? Oh, I, we should go out with that zinger. I mean, that was a great one. <laughs> yes, it was. I, I just want to thank you all for being on the show today. It was absolutely wonderful. I love the dialogue. I, I think you've given our listeners some valuable, wonderful information. Um, and to my listeners, I want to say thank you. Without you, we would not have um, the show And so thank you very much Uh, for those of you in China, especially thank you, because I know that uh, you don't always have access to uh, international things. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to our show. And um, if you'd like to get in touch with me, go to executivefunctioncoachaz.com. You can subscribe to our magazine, Executive Function Magazine there. Make sure that once you subscribe, you go back and confirm your subscription with the email that we send you. Otherwise, you will not get a copy. And our next uh, magazine goes, our, our next volume goes out July 10th. So make sure you subscribe before July 10th to get the next uh, uh, volume. And if you'd like to see previous volumes, you can go once again to the website, um, executivefunctioncoachaz.com. And you can look at our podcast, our YouTube channel, the radio show, testimonials, as well as all the other wonderful information we have on there. So once again, thank you for listening and uh, we'll see you next time. Thank you for tuning in to Focus on Success. Please join your host, Fazia Costi, for another program next Wednesday at noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. 
Until we talk again, have a great week.